Okay, Rabbi Say, let us begin learning uh, some Rabbi Rucham Das Taira on this week's parsha Vayakel. And we're in for a big, big treat tonight because it's a very, very important shtickle that we're going to be learning. Okay? You ready? Good. Vayavayo kal libai. Famous Ramban on this week's parsha. I think we spoke about it last week, but Rabbi Rucham is going to really elaborate on it tonight. The Ramban says about that how each person came, whose heart lifted him in the process of building the Mishkan and all the Kalim. So the Ramban says, what does it mean that their heart lifted them? That they were somehow able to be elevated to the degree that they were able to build a Mishkan. Now you're going to say, what, what's such a big deal about building a mishkan? You know, you have to go to school for a long time to be able to be proficient in even one of these types of malachas. If I would, uh, you know, say, here's a clump of gold and make for me a, uh, a menorah out of it. Okay, let alone the fact that the menorah had to be all miksha achas from one piece, which is an amazing thing. They took like a big plate of gold, maybe, I don't know, it could be the size of this room, and they banged out from one piece. It wasn't like made like in pieces and then screwed together. It all had to be banged out from one big piece of gold, the, the entire menorah. There was no seams in the menorah. It was all like perfectly made. Somehow, I, don't, I have no idea how they did it. It was probably done with a lot of... Uh, a lot of Nisim, I think Chazal say that they threw the gold in the fire and it came out that way, but obviously there was a lot of artistry that was going on in the Mishkan, and these were not people that were skilled at all. Ramban says that they only, uh, they were skilled in, in laying bricks. Bricklaying is like a, the most coarse type of malachi. You know, there's no art in, in laying bricks. You just put, it, put down a slab of, of cement, you put some bricks, then you do another slab of cement, you do the bricks in a a little bit down the road a little bit, you know, so it's, so it's brickwork. And that's it. That's all they knew how to do. That's all they were doing for hundreds of years in Egypt. All of a sudden, we're asking you to do filigree uh, work with building, a, you know, different kalim and different types of uh, jewels and carving jewels and making a, a chayshin and an eifah and a, taking curtains and making uh, beautiful tapestries on them and these are, it's impossible for a person, unless they went to school, you know, decades to perfect these arts, not possible. They were not, these were not people that were trained at all in this. And the Ramban points this out, and the Ramban says, you know, you're right. They, they found somehow the ability in their own teva, in their own nature to do this. Vayigba libay b'darke Hashem, the famous lashon of uh, that the Ramban uses. They, 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 they lifted their hearts in the way of Hashem, and they took pride. Lavay lufnei Meisha lemar loy ani esa kolashadani daiver. I'm not going to think about it. If I think about it, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it, and, and let's see what happens. And Meishu Rabbeinu is okay. So Meishu Rabbeinu took B'Tzalel, and he took, uh, he took the whole Hevra that was helping B'Tzalel, and they, he gave them the raw materials, and somehow, some way, they were able to find it in their 
heart. They were able to, to dig deep down inside and to be able to discover within them the skill set to do which something that would really be naturally impossible. The cheshpen, if you'd sit in, uh, all right, you know, we're taking, a, we're, we're looking for people that have this and this skill. Nobody would be able to say that, that, you know, give me your, your resume. No, no resumes in the whole Egypt had anything about silver, gold, copper, you know, artisanship, uh, tapestry work. They didn't know from this. What did they know from? There were a few people that stepped to the plate and says, I could do this. Their hearts somehow lifted them, buoyed them to, to be able to take on this assignment, and they did it. And that's how, that's how the Mishkan was built. You want to do Okay. So now look at what Rabbeinu, look at what Rabbi Yucham, uh, takes out of this. Something I think is very Nagea to all of us. Um, he says like this, If you look at the Adire Ailam. Adire Ailam are like the strong people, the, the, the celebrities, the, 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 the overachievers in life. Yeah, something like that. So the real, you know, the real superstars of life, the people that make the top of, uh, you know, the Forbes 500 list of uh, the wealthiest people and uh, the movers and shakers of the world and all of the important people, the prime ministers and the presidents, the kings, the, uh, all the, the CEOs, all the major, the major chashava people in the world, the Adirei Eilam, Kal Hashirim Hagadalim, all those very, the billionaires, Hine Ruvam Kekulam, Ba'u Lesi Al Yasam, what, how did they do this? How did they, I'm not talking about, there was always a section of the, the people that are wealthy that inherited the money, right? There's always like Sam Walton's kids from Walmart, you know, they're always on the top, but they didn't do anything. They just happened to have been lucky that they were born into a certain family. But I'm talking about the self-made man. And again, obviously we're factoring in Siat Deshmaya, there's always a Rabbi Nisham. That's I'm not... I don't have to be firmer than Rabbi Rucham tonight. This is what Rabbi Rucham is saying, okay? So don't blame me if you're saying, hey, what about the Rabbi Nisham? Let's, let's go with what Rabbi Rucham is saying. All these people that you find that are able to be super, super successful in their respective fields, what do they have in common? You take... Uh, Bill Gates, and you take uh, you know the guy from Amazon, Jeff Bezos, and and Steve Jobs, right? Very good. All these guys. What what was their? What's the common denominator between all of them? He says what you had. What they have in common is they had an incredible sense of drive and ambition. It doesn't happen from nothing. It, Steve Jobs did not just happen to, to start Apple and you know, just happen to be, you know, fall into his lap, a, a you know, gazillion dollar company that changed the world. Didn't happen that way. He was an individual that had a, a dream, he had a passion, and he, and he just n- did not stop. He was relentless until he was able to achieve the success or maybe a, a, only a small measure of success that he was able to achieve in his life. That's what it is. The, these billionaires or these uh, athletes or these Olympic stars or whatever it is, anyone that you see in the world, I'm not talking about in the world of Tyra, that we can discuss also, but anyone that you see that are super successful in their respective fields, Rabbi Rucham is saying to us that it was something inside of them. They had this, this midah 
of Vayig Baliba, they had this, this, this ambition, this drive, I can do this. I could do this. Now, you know, looking back on it, of course they, they were able to do it because they did it. But it wasn't so simple at the time. No one thought that a guy like Jeff Bezos, I don't really know anything about him, but I, you know, I don't think anyone thought, whatever he was doing at the time, no one thought he would someday be able to be you know, the wealthiest man in the world and change the entire uh, way that we shop and that uh, the world of retail operates or, or destroying the world of retail as we know it. Or, you know, I don't think anyone thought of that, but he did. He had this passion, he had this, this burning ambition, and he stopped at nothing. I'm sure there are many people that told him he was a fool, never going to work because of 10,000 different reasons, and maybe he ran out of money 10 times, and maybe he went bankrupt sometimes, and like, like many, many billionaires did, they, they didn't succeed the first time around. But they have something, says Rabbi Rucham, that, that it's a common gene that's found amongst very successful people, that they are hyper-ambitious. They have a plan, they have a drive, and they will not stop until they succeed. That's the only way to do it. No one that's lazy ever became a billionaire, you know, unless they won the lottery or something. But people that, are, that, that built anything in life know that it didn't happen from nothing. They might have had a lot of luck. They might have had a lot of siyat dishmaya, call it what you want. But they had to have a drive and a, and, and, and a non-stoppability, if that's a word, that, you know, that, that just drove them and drove them until they got their way. If a person is lacking that ambition, that drive, it's not possible for them to climb to those levels of success. You just can't. just will not happen. In order to succeed, you need this drive. And it's a sign that's, that, that, that is a, a constant sign about a man, Ishbal Yazma, if you're a, if you have a plan and you have a drive, Now you might not succeed. I know a lot of people that have tremendous plans, but they never made it. They never amounted to anything. Their plans didn't succeed. But one thing is tr- is for sure true that if you see sometimes a person that has plans, he at least has the he has the stuff of greatness. He might not have the siyat dishmaya to, to succeed. He might not have all that it takes. Maybe he doesn't have the brains or the skill set that he needs. But if he, has, if he has a plan and he has a drive and he ha- never put that down. Sometimes, you know, people come to you, maybe it's a child or maybe it's a friend or maybe it's a, a relative and they say, you know what, I really feel that I could, you know, build this, uh, you know, start an app that could change the world and, and you're like sort of, uh, come on, you know, just go back to work, you know, go, you know, uh, be a public school teacher and, and just stop this nonsense, you know, like, but when you do that, what you're really doing is you're pushing down a potential that this child or this person might have to achieve really great success. And, and I'm not saying that every dream is viable and maybe sometimes it's a chesed for the person to, in, you know, in certain cases, to tell them that you know, maybe it is like a better to just do a normal thing because I don't think it's going to work. But, but at least if a person has this drive and he he really feels like he has something that he, he can contribute and he has a burning desire to see it through, that is something he has, says that Rabbi Yerucham, he has the chaymer of Gedalim. He doesn't, he's not a gadol yet. 
not a billionaire. He's not a, he's not a huge personality. He's not a, but he has at least something that could potentially bring him to that. A person without a plan definitely will never you know, have that. A person with a plan probably won't have it, but at least he has the stuff of greatness in him. El Rey Shahar Yagiu. Vim Ene Bal Yazma, if he doesn't have this, Kiyaz Tivchan Vade Kumimin Hashvelaman and Asamu, he's from the he he's not gonna amount to anything in terms of success in this in this realm. Vashir Matov Zek Varkane Yishar Biltisa, he's gonna stay like that. There's no you know, he's not gonna be able to to really achieve a major degree of success because he doesn't he doesn't have that ambition. Nothing wrong with that. You don't have to be Maybe it's, it's fine if a person wants to just live a nice life and, you know, have a normal job and live nine to five and, ha, you know, and do his thing. And that, that's all. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're not talking about that tonight. We're talking about people that have a drive, a certain drive to succeed. It doesn't always have to be money. I know I'm speaking a lot about money, but putting money aside, I don't think Bill Gates was driven by money. Not Bill Gates, uh, Steve Jobs. I don't, I don't know so much about him, but I, I think he just really had this vision of creating this product. And I, I think money was secondary to him. Obviously, money is always good to have, but I don't think that drove him. You know, there are people that, that are artists, you know, Van Gogh. Today, is, you know, his paintings could go for $100 million, maybe more. But at the time, he was a starving artist. What drove him to, to paint? He had this drive to, to paint and to succeed in, in nothing to do with money. Money was the least of it. So we're not always talking about money, but any degree of success needs something that is making a person get up in the morning with a gishmak, and this is what I want to do. We learn this, Rabbi Rucham says, we learn this out from these successful people in Melechaz HaKadosh. Melechaz HaMishkan. They built a Mishkan. How did they do this? This is a great, ambitious project. It's something that rides in the heavens. This isn't a simple structure. This is a heavenly abode you know, that happens to be on earth. And how did this happen? Haim Habon bin slave. They all they had to their name, they had no skill set. They never went to any fancy trade school or artisan school or workshop. They never did any of that. What did they bring to the table? They brought this drive. They brought this ambition. They brought the fact that they have a Nasiya slave. That's what Nasiya slave is. Rabbi Yochum is saying Nasiya slave doesn't mean that they had a spiritual high. They had something inside of them that burned and said to Meshra Abenu, I don't know how, to, how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. I'll figure it out. I'm going to do this. I know that I could do this. And when a person says that they know that they could do something, it means that they were naturally inclined with an ambition, with a, uh, an unquenchable thirst to do something, to accomplish a mission. They didn't learn anything before they learned a thing. They never spoke to a professional in any regard, not a professional architect, not a professional jeweler, not a professional uh, seamstress, nothing. I will do whatever you tell us to do, whatever the Rabbi Yishlam wants, whatever Mesh Rabbeinu wants, we got this. They were the ones that were Zaycha to complete the task. 
they completed the task because not because of their natural skills. They might not have had any natural skills. The only natural skill that they had was they had this ability to say, I could do this. I could do this. And then that is such a valuable thing in life. The ability to have that confidence in yourself and in your mission that you will not stop until this is done. That's a person, if you have that inside, if you feel about yourself that you have that, then you don't know how much greatness lies within. A lot of times there are people out there that have a tremendous amount of talent, but either other people told them that they would never succeed, or maybe life you know, presented them with a series of, of challenges that were insurmountable. Sometimes, you know, fine, I have a dream, I want to do something, I want to build something, I want to, but I have, to, I have to support my family. So I'm stuck in my, in my job. I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm working three jobs to feed my family. I don't have the luxury right now of starting a, a high-tech company or a building yeshiva or, you know, you know, doing whatever my dream is to do because, you know, my hands are tied and that's very, that's very understandable. But there are many, many people in life that have this ability to do, but they just, they don't trust in themselves enough to do it. And I remember when I was a kid, there was a commercial on TV that I think it was like a Home Depot commercial, but there was such a musr to it. It was like, you see, um, I think it was Michael Jordan or one of these big basketball players. And, um, and they were, and, and like he had a Home Depot, like an orange apron on. And he was, uh, you know, and he had a boss, and his boss says, you know, Michael, could you please, uh, you know, in aisle 64, there's a spill or whatever. And, like, he says, yes, boss. And, like, he's about to, you know, and he just crushes up, like, a, a, a piece of paper, and he, like, shoots, you know, shoots it into a hoop, like, 30 feet away and, like, swishes it. And, like, he just, that's the commercial, whatever their point is. But I always saw that commercial as mamish a muscle of many people's lives. Like, there are so many people out there that are so talented and they have so much energy in them, they have so much creativity in them, but they never really had the chance, for whatever reason, to express it. There might be people out there that are, you know, really billionaires, but they're busy working in grocery stores and, you know, we're, you know for, for $10 an hour, $15 an hour. nothing wrong with that. That's a wonderful thing. But they themselves have so much to them they have so much creativity, but they don't have, they never had the confidence and they never had the push to see it through to, to the end. But on the other hand, there are many people that did, and those are the people that are so inspirational. Those are the people that made something great of themselves and they changed the world. You know, just to bring it home a little bit, back into the world of yeshiva. I know I've been talking about celebrities and movie stars and, you know, and billionaires, and that's not exactly the ashkafa that I want to share with you. But I do want to share with you, I mean, I'm just, again, Rabbi Rucham was really, it's his fault, because he was talking about that. He wasn't, he wasn't making it so religious, at least not as far as we got yet. But I'll tell you, in yeshiva, you know, what I've seen with my own eyes, either colleagues of mine or Talmidim of mine, um, there's also this gene that certain people have that they just want it so badly. 
they want to, everybody says they want to learn. Everybody wants to be Tamid HaChamim, and they want to be Masmidim, they want to, you know, they, they want it, and you do want it. But then there are people that, like, sort of break away from the pack because their sheer desire, their ambition, is so on fire that they're unstoppable. And they never stop. They never stop. They, they, they're, you know, they were learning when they were, when they were Bachrim, and then they were learning when they were in Kailal, and they were learning now, and they're, and they're, they're just on fire. They don't, they don't stop learning. They don't stop growing. They're spiritually growing. They're intellectually growing. And those are people that, you know, that everyone could be. They're not great because, you know, because uh, they have a fancy last name, they have a big rabbinic uh, last name. They're great because they themselves sat down and they made a decision that they want to be great in learning. They want to be great in learning. And that's all that they did. And they, they meant it. And this in, internal desire was so, was so clear to them and was so um, palpable that they, that they felt it every single day. They woke up, they got up early, they davened, they learned, they, they had one chavrusa, another chavrusa, then they, you know, they burned the midnight oil. They were learning at one o'clock in the morning and then they went to sleep. They woke up and they did this years and years and years. And before you know it, they became amazing tamid chachamim. I should have brought it before the Vad, but I could actually go in now, but it doesn't matter. If you want, I'll show it to you after the Vad is over. And I've said this story a million times, but there was a guy in Yeshiva um, in the early years of Yeshiva, and he, uh, he went to a uh, Balchuva Yeshiva. He's a Balchuva, the sweetest boy in the world. Um, and, but he came here with a very weak skill set. I don't want to say that he didn't know which side of the Gemara was Rashi, which side of Tysus. I'm sure he did. But like, it was not that level of, of Yediyah so in terms of Gemara. But I saw right away in him, he was like one of these guys that just, he was like a Steve, Gates, uh, Steve Jobs of learning. Like he just had this dream and this ambition that was... It was not in a weird way. It wasn't like, you know, ah, but he was just, he came to everything. Came to everything. Like whatever, whatever I was giving, whatever Rabbi Shmulevitz was giving, whatever Shir Klali was, whatever Shabbos, Yantif, he was like front row center. He was like lapping it up. Everything, every Shir, Chazering, learning new things, going over it again and again and again, coming over, asking questions, Musar, that whatever it was, he was like always doing everything Ten times better than anyone else in yeshiva, because he was just so hungry. He just wanted it. He didn't care about anything else. I remember he came over to me once. Um, it was Elul, and uh, and he said to me something. He wasn't bragging at all. It was he was here already for a year, and he said to me, he "says Rabbi, you know, you keep talking about doing tshuva and tshuva and tshuva." He says, "He says, what do I?" He wasn't saying it to be bra- you know braggadocious. He was just like being honest with me. He says. He says, I don't know exactly what I did wrong this entire year that I need to do tshuva. He says, I never had a better year of learning. I never had a better year of davening. I never had a better year of Yerushalayim. He says, so tell me, explain to me exactly what I should be doing tshuva for. Like, I never got such a shayla like that before. I never, I certainly never had that shayla about myself before. Like, you know, 
and I was crying. I literally, there was tears rolling down my, I said, Ashracha, like, I, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you, tell, you know, good, so you're off, you know, like, take, take a week off or something, I don't know, go to Great Adventure, what should I tell you, like, uh, but, you know, here is a guy that Mamish was on fire, and then he, he got married, and um, I went to his chasna, it was uh, north of the border, and, um, and, then he, and then he went to Eretz Yisrael to learn in Kailal somewhere, and by then already his skill set was obviously pretty good, not, I'm not saying he was the best guy in Yeshiva, but he learned so much here, like over the two, three years that he was here, and then he just, you know, he said goodbye, and then a couple of years later, five, six years later, I got in the mail like a, a manila envelope addressed to me, um, and with his name, you know, now his, his, his English name became a Hebrew name, but, uh, you know, from Eretz Yisrael, in Yerushalayim somewhere, and I open up, and open, there's a, a safer on, like, uh, on, on, on Isser Vehetur, like, Basar Vechalav, Taroivis, like, you know, different, like, the hardest look is in Shas. And, um, and I said, it's so sweet, he sent me a, a gift, he probably has, like, Haris HaTayv to me, he bought us, went to a farm store, bought me a safer, you know, I don't know how he knew that I was so interested in Isser Vehetur, which I wasn't, but, like, you know, you know, um, I said, so sweet of him. Anyways, and then I opened up the book, and he has, um, he has a whole beautiful inscription. It was so nice. Like, it was really, really heartwarming. And then I looked at the Sharba. I was just curious, like, who wrote this thing? And he wrote this thing. Like, from, you know, seven years earlier, Imamish didn't know how to read a, read a piece of Gemara at all. Not Shvach. He didn't know how to read a piece of Gemara. Within seven, eight years, you know, he was writing a, a thick safer on Isavetta. If you don't if you think I'm lying, I'll show it to you. It's right behind but right behind me. If I could pull it out of the wall, it'll be right over there. With Haskamas from all Gedali Yerushalayim, like the, the who's who of Yerushalayim. And uh, you know but the same year that he came into Yeshiva, there was probably another 50, 60 guys that came in, and then after him, another 60 guys. So, you know, let's say, let's put it around number 100. He's the only guy that came out this way. He had the weakest skills, and he broke out of the pack, and he, he was the one that was Matzich. What's the difference between him and the other 100 guys that came into Yeshiva? They're all nice guys. Uh, nothing, I'm not putting them, the other 99 guys down. I love them just the same. But what, is the, what, what gave him the ability to break free of the pack? How did he do that? It wasn't even close. There's no one that came close to doing what he did. And the answer is what Rabbi Rucham is saying. It was just simply he had inside of him this fire in his belly. He had this Nisai Liba. He says, you know, if I would have asked him when he came to Yeshiva, right, you know, you, when are you going to write that Sefer Nisavati? He said, on what? What am I going to write the what on, on what? <laughs> like, uh, he wouldn't know the word Sefer or Isavatar. But he wanted it. He would have, if I would have explained to him, he said, I will write that safer. And you'll see, it's going to be a great safer. I'm going to get us going. And you, you'd laugh at him. You'd say, you're a fool. You could never do that. But never, ever put down and suppress a person with real, solid, fiery dreams because they have it in them. To, they are hungry enough to do it. There's a chazal that says... Um, which means, be careful, watch out for the kids, of, for the poor kids in yeshiva. You know, they might not be rich, they might not be wearing all the fancy clothing, the fancy shoes, the fancy, you know, uh, a Canadian goose, whatever, you know, coats. But 
Tyra is going to come out of them. Tyra is going to come out of them. What does that mean? Well, because you're poor, Tyra is going to come out of them? I don't know what the Mepharshim say exactly. I mean, you know, I could touch it up in many ways. But I think the way we're learning it up tonight is, it doesn't mean that they're poor necessarily monetarily. They might be very wealthy. Aniya means that they always feel poor. They always feel hungry. They're always famished. They always want more. They're not, they, don't, they don't feel like rich people always feel like they're entitled to things and they can coast and they have yichas and they have a job waiting for them. They have, anim, they don't have anything. So they, they're just, they, they just, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're just willing and able to do anything and everything to get, to get to a certain level of success because they're hungry for it. They, they're not, they understand that nothing's being served to me on a silver platter. I have to work for everything that I have, but I want to work for it. I want to earn. I don't want it to come free. I want to get it myself. Those people are Bnei Aniyim. Those are the people that Tyra comes out from. Those are the people that are Matzlich. And I see it time and time again. I mean, the, the, this is... I could tell when a Bachar comes into Yeshiva already from the first day, you know, when I observe him for a while, I could tell who is going to be successful and who is not. That's not to say that the people that are not, they could change in a day. Everyone could change in a day. We can all change in a day. It's a beautiful thing about life. But you see that there are certain people, they just come and they want it. They want it. They want to wake up for davening. They want to come to Seder. They want to come to the Vad. They want to come to Night Seder. They want to come to the Shmuz. They want to come. They just, they're hungry. They're thirsty. They, they, they're not stopped. They, they could chalk it up to like, I want to be like my roommates. I want to leave Thursday night. I want to come back Monday morning. You know, I want to be off Tuesday. I want to be off this guy. Legal holidays. And, the, and then what? Who are you fooling? Like, who, who are they kidding? Like, you think, you're, you think I care whether you come to a Shmuz or a Vad? You think it makes a difference to me? I get more. I get a, a raise if I have uh, if I have standing room only. I don't care. I care for them that they're missing out. I care for you know. I want people to succeed, and I understand that a big measure of success is giving them hadrachot, learning Rabbi Rucham's with them, learning uh, exploring emuna with them, telling them a shmuz on the parsha. You know, having a kesher with them. That's what I feel bad about. I feel bad when people don't take advantage and they're, and they're, they're just coasting and, and they're not fooling anybody. They're fooling themselves. But the people that really want to succeed, you're, you're all here. That means that you have a lot of ambition because you could have, you could have you know, given me 10 excuses, 100 excuses why you couldn't. You have a lab, you have a this and that. It's all good. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not here to speak Lashonar about anyone. Lab what? Lab Tuesdays. Okay. But, you know, you're, you're recuperating from the lab tonight, right? So, you know, so everybody could come up with great excuses, but excuses don't make you a Tamar Chacham. And they don't give you your Shemayim, and they don't give you Hadracha in life, and they don't give you Sipa Kanefesh. Excuses are just excuses. They don't help you in life. They just maybe alleviate some of your guilt. But in terms of really being able to have a, be a person that's Nisai Libai, that your, your heart uplifts you to do things that nobody thought possible, in Inyani Da'alma, you know, in, in things maybe nobody th- thinks that you could ever be a doctor and you're going to prove them wrong. They, they don't think you're going to be successful. They don't think you're going to be a lawyer. They don't think you're going to be a... Whatever it is that your dreams are, those are good dreams also. I'm talking now specifically about learning because we're in yeshiva, presumably want to learn. The dreams that you have of learning are yours for the asking. 
I've seen with my own eyes. Don't say, well, I know, but I didn't have a good yeshiva background. My rabbi in fifth grade told me I was never going to mount anything. My, uh, you know, my mother said that, you know, we, we, we all have, we all have our pekalach. I know that. But we have a choice to make from today on that I don't want to, I want to be really good. I want to learn up a storm. I want to be a tamal chacham. I want to be proficient in learning. And I could do it. I know people that literally had reading disabilities. They, had, they weren't able to read. They were dyslexic and they had other reading problems and, their eye, and, and they were able to somehow, some way, be able to steig in learning and, and they're addicted to learning and they don't want to stop learning. I know it very well. Tyra is different than all other things. Tyra is something that you just have to apply yourself. If it's Nisai Liba, if you say to the Rabbi Nisham, I want this really badly. I want to be a Tamil Chacham. Give me it. This is what I want. And this is what I'm asking. I want to sit in, in your house. I want to learn. I want to steig. Hashem will give it to you. Now, he's not going to give it to you if the next morning you wake up late and you roll into the base manager at 11 and, you know, you leave at 11.15 after a coffee. You know, that's not going to happen. But if you're, if you're willing to go and put in the effort that it takes to be a Tamil Chacham, then I promise you that you could be, you know, greater than the guy that I'm telling you about in Eretz Yisrael today. You can. Because your skills, everyone in this room, their skills are much better than his skills were when they came into Yeshiva. I could guarantee you that. And now it's just a matter of, you know, do I want it? If you don't want it, you don't want it. Okay, so then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about other things next, Vod. But if, if, this, if something that I'm telling you is striking a chord in you, because maybe you have that gene of Nisai Liba, maybe you have that, you know, hyper ambition, but maybe you've been channeling it to other things, like, you know, you want to be the best, uh, you know, you know, Tetris player in the country or something like that, and you want to, like, maybe, you know, move your ambition to, uh, to something from, te- from Tetris to Tyra. That'll be the name of your autobiography someday, maybe. But, you know, if you, if you have such an ambition because you're, you're driven, then Tyra is a great place to invest that ambition because Tyra is really tried and proven a thousand times over that if you want it bad enough, you will succeed, period. No, no, no fine print. If you want it bad enough and you invest the time and the effort that it takes, you will succeed. You'll have siyat deshmak and shbaruch who's waiting for that. It's what he wants. So that's the side that we take from the sixth parsha. That's what Biruchim is teaching us. The Ramban that a person can have zero skills, but that doesn't stop a person from creating a mishkan Hashem.